Well, good morning, church. How we doing? I'm Scott Weatherford. Welcome. Happy Mother's Day. Now, I had someone ask me this week, said, now, are you guys going to celebrate Mother's Day? Because, you know, there's some people that aren't mothers. I said, you know what? We are because none of us would be here without our mothers. Isn't that right? And so, uh, you know, understand it. We want to just not celebrate mothers. We want to celebrate women. God, we thank, we are, we're thankful to the Lord for you, your role in our lives. Uh, if this world was made up of only men, we would be a mess, would we not? Yeah, that's right. So uh, God bless you. Welcome. We hope you have a great day today. Do take advantage of having a photo opportunity. Nobody in the family likes photos except for moms. <laughs> They're available over in the corner, so you go enjoy that. We're going to continue our series on Moses. Hope you've been tracking with us, listening uh, to the videos provided that we provided on the, on the website. I talked to a couple this week. They said, we watched this week's video four times. And I said, was it that boring at your house this week? What was up with that? And she, she, well, he said to me, said, my wife and I are going through something and we really needed to hear from God and the things you had to say were so powerful to us. And I, will, I said, I didn't mean to be. But sometimes God uses the ill-equipped and ignorant to speak his word, right? You guys witness that most every week. And it's just amazing to me how we provided these things that God is ahead of you. He is making a way for you. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. If our lives are going to be marked by the rescue of God, so we turn into rescuers, we have to embrace the fact that God is making a way. Several years ago, Tara and I were going through a really difficult season. And, and in that season, just crying out to God, saying, God, what do you want from us? What do you want to, why are we, why is this happening? And of course, we could pull the threads of that and discover, you know, bad decisions, and we could discover uh, needless risk, and we could also discover the hand of God in all of that. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this. I want you to write this down. Go ahead and get your notes out. You're going to have to write a bunch of stuff down today. Dan kept it short because he knew I had a long talk, right, Dan? Yeah, thank you, Dan. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this. A man rightly related to God, and we could say a man or a woman, rightly related to God cannot make a wrong decision. Now, some of y'all just went, what? How do you know you're rightly related to God? It's not based on your behavior. It's based on God's faithfulness. You see, God has given you his imputed righteousness. God has literally taken his clothing of righteousness and he's put it on you. You have God's righteousness with, through Jesus Christ. When you trusted Jesus you have the righteousness of God. Therefore, you are rightly related. And God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him are called according to his purposes. So a person rightly related to God cannot make a wrong decision. Now, some of you have made decisions that have caused pain and consequences, right? But God's even working through that. During that season, God gave me something in my heart. And he, he whispered this to me. He said, Scott, the only way through this is through this, and I am with you. Now, that doesn't sound very profound unless you're in the middle of it. The only way through this is through this. Have you ever started into something and decided to crawfish out of it, back out of it, and it just didn't work? The way back closed off? But God says, I am with you. I am with you. Now, the situation didn't resolve as I had prayed and given God advice about how it should resolve. Do y'all ever do that? 
You, you, I guess I'm the only one. Bunch of liars. Okay. In fact, the situation led to an opportunity that I never, ever saw coming and a blessing that I could never imagine. And I've watched this happen a few times in my life as I pursued this and God says, no, no, this looks like this, but it, it's really this. And what he's doing, he's shaping my life that I might look like Christ. So he's using all these things. During that time, God gave me a promise. He whispered that promise. The only way through this is through this. And I'm with you. Then he showed me this out of Psalm 77, 19. Let me read it for you. In fact, it's going to be on the screen. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. A pathway no one knew was there. What God gave me was a promise of deliverance, a pathway. God will make a way. Now, I don't know what you're going through or what situation you found, found yourself in today, but I want to say this with confidence, and I want to give this to you confidently, that God is making a way for you that your way has found your way into this room or online to be a part of what, what God is teaching us today. But God is busy making a pathway for you, a way that you did not even know existed. Now, is that encouraging? <laughs> okay, thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I joke about this service. Y'all are, the, y'all are the sleepy few. And the next one, the next gathering is the crazy ones. They talk to me. So y'all need to talk a little bit more, but don't be crazy, okay? Y'all got that? And so enjoy what God is saying to you. And he's got this path for you. Here in Exodus, God is delivering his people. And we're going to cover a big portion of scripture today. And I'm not going to go through all of it, so we're not going to be here all day. But I'm going to cover a big portion. God is delivering his people. Moses is looking for God to make a way. Now, God told him what he was going to do, but Moses' biggest problem is the same problem we have. You know what that is? We don't listen, and we forget. Isn't that right? If you're married, has your wife, if you're a man, has your wife said to you, ever said to you, your problem is that you don't listen? <laughs> Y'all are brave souls today. Of course, you ought to say to your wife, I listened one time, 1966, I listened to you. You see, we forget. We don't listen and we, don't for, and we forget. Now, because we're going through this, we often look for human intervention instead of God, godly deliverance or divine deliverance. We want people to show us the path. Even as a church, we can look for you, votes of affirmation instead of unity of the Spirit. Although 50% of us vote yay in something, that doesn't mean God ought to, we ought to be doing that. Do y'all know that? Huh. We have to look for unity of the Spirit. And so in this pathway, in this pursuit of God making a way, I'm going to take you on this adventure in the book of Exodus and see that God has amazing pathways for us. I love this passage out of Psalm. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. And you know why the psalmist wrote that down? Because every ancient society was impressed by their army. Israel was impressed by their God. 
Are you impressed by your resources, your education, your status, your family legacy? Are you, impre- are, are you impressed by your God? Israel says, we will trust in the Lord our God. The best way to live in confidence is that realizing that God is for you and not against you. And he is making a way for you. He is delivering us so that we can be joining him in the deliverance of others. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the way you're going to speak to us through the life of Moses. And I pray you give me clarity of thought, Father, and, and, and fluidity of tongue that I might say the right things and give the right truth because what I have to say is nonsense and noise and what you have to say is life and peace. So I pray that you speak through me. Thank you for those that are here. Thank you for what we're going to experience together as we trust in you. And we pray this in your strong name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Now you've got your notes out, so let's jump in. Let me read for you out of Exodus chapter five, verses one and two. And I I think y'all see I have a pretty white jacket on. I've had enough of this. So um, I'll hang it on the music stand over here. I hate it when preachers take off their coats. And the next thing they do is they roll up their sleeves. After Moses and Aaron went out went and said to Pharaoh, after what? After Moses and Aaron had gone to the, the uh, they'd been in front of God, they'd gone to the elders of, e- of Israel, they said, we're coming to deliver you, and now they've gone to Pharaoh. They've taken those steps of activity to begin the process of deliverance. I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I want you to hold on to this. It's the start that stops most of us. We have good intentions, but those good intentions are usually sacrificed on the altar of laziness. We want to do something, but we just don't do it. We want to be something, but we just don't get moving in that direction. It's the start that stops all of us. And here's the first thing I want you to hold on to. Your expectations will deceive you. You know, the number one cause of stress is unmet expectations. Some of you look at your spouse and you go, amen to that. Unmet expectations. Let me read for you. Uh, Well, let me just say this. Moses stood before God and got his orders. Now he stood before Pharaoh and he thought it was going to be easy. He was going to go before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, no. And then here's what Moses said. But I know the king of Egypt would not let you go unless us a compelling mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and and strike Egypt with all the wonders and I will do it after that I will let you go. You see, God said to Moses, it's not going to be easy, but Moses didn't listen. Moses didn't listen. He thought he was going to declare, let my people go. And then Pharaoh was going to go, okay, y'all go. Here, take some cash with you. In the end, that's what happened, but it wasn't going to be easy. Moses didn't listen to God. Now God told him it was not easy, but Moses' expectations got him. And we do the same, don't we? We say we're going to do this, and then we find it's hard. I I remember I said, I'm going to go to university and get an education. I found out it was hard. I said, I'm going to go to seminary and get a theological education. I found out it was hard. I stood in front of God and assorted witnesses with my brother pontificating and my sweet Tara standing for me to get married. I thought it was going to be easy, and it's 
I thought it's, it's wonderful. That's right. Thank you, Trish. I needed that answer. Thank you. It's hard. Married, being married is, is hard. Uh, Tara held little Caleb and little Kayla in her arms, and parenting was going to be a piece of cake, but it is. When they turned 13, it got harder. That's right. Life is hard, but God is good. And our expectations of easiness just will bash us. This is what Moses said. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, why have you done this evil to, to these people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has done evil to his people. Now you've not delivered your people at all. Dadgummit, God, what's up? It was hard. God even told Moses that he wouldn't he wouldn't know it was his will until he was back at this mountain worshiping with his people. But Moses forgot. He forgot. But Moses, said to, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel? And he said, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I've sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You got to tell me this, that, that Moses was going to go to Egypt he was going to stand before Pharaoh. He was going to say, let my people go. And then Pharaoh, was, he was going to deliver him with a mighty hand and all those plagues and all those things. And he really didn't, wasn't absolutely sure it was God until he was back at Mount Sinai with all these people worshiping. You mean to tell me that that's what God said to Moses? Yes. 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 How will you know that you fulfill the purposes of God in your lifetime? When you stand before the Lord and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, you will not know until God is done. And I want to say this to you. I want you to hold on to this to you. You will not know the scope of your legacy until the books of eternity are closed. I was thinking about this this morning. I said to you, that 100, year, 100 years from now, no one will even know that I existed. But will they know Jesus' Jesus's love because I existed? I want to tell you something. It won't take 100 years. It takes about 12. Let me tell you why. Because I saw a post on Facebook that said, who was the founding pastor of Parkway Church? They didn't know. It was me. I've been gone for 12 years. They already forgot. <laughs> it just doesn't take that long. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the life we live for the Lord. And the Lord said, Moses, you're not going to know it's me until you're back here worshiping me. Wow. Andy Stanley said this, and I love this. He said, in the most assured movement of God, you could only have about 80% assurance. And that's where faith comes in. That's when acknowledging God comes in. And God makes a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. Unmet expectations in our life are the greatest cause of stress. We expect God to perform in a certain way, and when he doesn't, we're disappointed. We do the same thing in all of our relationships. We expect our wives and our children, our, our husbands, to perform in a certain way, and they don't, and we're what? disappointed. We expect our neighbors to behave in a certain way, and when they don't, we're what? Disappointed. We expect our pastor to let us out after an hour, and we're not surprised. No, disappointed. 
And so we become these expectation things that ruin us. Even when Moses and Aaron asked to be let go for three days, they even got that wrong. They messed that up because they didn't listen and they forgot. Now, let me just kind of unpack this for you. This is kind of amazing to me. I read it this week and kind of tried to deliver it to Tara. And I think I, think I delivered it to her. I'm going to try to deliver it to you. Let me read this passage out of Exodus 5. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And then they said, The God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or the sword. God didn't say he was going to fall on with pestilence or the sword. God didn't say go into the desert to sacrifice. God said go into the desert and have a festival, a feast with me. Jesus says, come have dinner. And they thought, we're going to go have church. They were going to have dinner. You see, God's inviting you into relationship with him. And we get confused. Like Moses and Aaron, we start saying, well, if we don't do this, God's going to fall on us with pestilence and sword. God's going, no, I'm not. I'm fried a chicken and I'm inviting you to come eat. But we are broken. And our sins have separated us from God. So this is what God did. God provided the sacrifice for us in Jesus Christ. We don't have to sacrifice to God because sacrifice has been done. What we have to do is go feast with him. Get in his presence. Have a relationship with him. Have a, have a, a communion with him. A community of him. And be with him. And you know the three days in the desert. Let me tell you what, what Moses was saying as he wrote this down. He's saying that there's a foreshadowing here. Three days in the grave, three days in the desert, sacrifice of Jesus, the, the festival of God, the feast of God. All of this is tied up in the great mystery of salvation. And God's saying to this to you and me today, you cannot be made right with me unless I make you right with me. And so I'm going to make you right with me so you can come have supper with me. Wow. And Pharaoh says, I don't know God. And Moses should have kicked the dirt and said, you're going to. Waha, pilgrim. And this is the conversation that God was doing. But what God was doing was multi-layered. Let me tell you what he was doing. He was strengthening Moses and Aaron's faith. He was strengthening the faith of the Hebrew children. And he was displaying his power to the Egyptians. And he was putting Pharaoh in his place. And even more than that, because God is, a, is God, then we adjust to him. He does not adjust to us. And when he decides to deliver, it's his pathway he chooses. We don't need a sacrifice. We need salvation. And when we adjust to God and give him our lives, then he gives us the desire of our heart. God will meet you and exceed your expectations when you trust in him. I read this whole psalm this morning, but I'll read a portion of it to you today, this morning. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will what? What's that last word? He will what? 
Are you looking for God? Then delight yourself in him. Ask him to act. You see, what God is doing in this whole process of your life, listen to me very carefully, he's growing your dependence on him. He's growing your dependence. God wants you to so depend upon him that he is your first and only choice. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. God wants you dependent upon him. Now, we're Texans. We don't want to be dependent upon anybody. Guess what, pilgrim? You're wrong. God desires you to cling to him, to hold on to him, to be dependent upon him. Let me read for you Exodus 5. But he said, this is what Pharaoh said, you are idle, you are idle. And that's what I say. And actually, one translation said, you're lazy, lazy, lazy Hebrews. I don't know about you, but I'm called lazy. That's offensive to me. Is that offensive to you? That may be accurate, but I'm offended. <laughs> idle, idle. That's why, that is why you say, let us go and sacrifice the Lord. Now go, go now and work. No straw will be given to you. You must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble, and they said, who shall by no means reduce our number of bricks, your daily task each day? You see, dependence on God, and I read this today in, in, in another psalm, is forged in adversity. I wish it wasn't this case, but it is so. It's forged in adversity. Now, I wrote this down, and I'm throwing it up on the screen because I want you to see this quote. I believe it's on the screen. Um, when you have no desire to live for the Lord, then Satan will leave you alone. Did you know that? But when you say, Jesus, I'm yours, all hell breaks out against you. Can I get a witness? It's true. And things go wrong. Let me give you a pattern of what, what Satan loves to do. Satan loves to do this. What he'll do first to give you adversity, he'll start giving you adversity in your own personal life, in your own mind. He'll make you start questioning and doubting God, his goodness and his faithfulness. That's what he loves to do. He loves to make you doubt that God is really for you or God really loves you. You'll look at other people, you say, well, God loves them, but he doesn't love me. You know what that's called? A lie. And that's what Satan does, he lies. And if he can't get to you, he can't get to your heart, you know what he'll do then? He'll stir up the people closest to you. He'll stir up your spouse, and y'all will start nipping and arguing and fussing. Or he'll stir up your kids, and they're easy, especially when they're teenagers. They'll do something boneheaded and stupid. And it'll work it up. And you'll start questioning your parenting ability. You'll, you'll just go through this whole kind of torturous process. Then if he can't get to your kids, he can't get to your spouse, he can't get to your kids, he'll get to your extended family. Your mother-in-law will all of a sudden become a pain. Now, my mother-in-law would have to raise from the grave to be a pain. Uh, my mother and my mother-in-law both live with Jesus but something will happen to your extended family. If he can't get to your extended family, he'll get to your neighbors. And if he can't get to your neighbors, he'll get to your church. My brother, Dr. Stan Weatherford, said this. Normal people join a church and go crazy. <laughs> Dr. Cheatham, can I get a witness? Yeah. They'll say and do things, you go like, what? You're a normal person. Why are you being so crazy? 
And that's what Satan does. Satan loves to stir up strife within the brotherhood and sisterhood. And if Satan can't get that, he's got messengers of Satan that are always in the congregation or in your life. Moses called them the rabble. I call them the 2%. When I teach pastors on leadership, I said, you've got 2% of the people who are not going to be for anything. You love everybody, you move with the movers. You love everybody, but you move with the movers. Even the 2%, you have to love them. And when one of them dies and is buried, Satan will raise up another one to take his place. And so what does all this say to you? Then you expect adversity. It's coming. But God is with you. Even in the darkest, hardest times of your life, God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Moses faced this, and he fell back into his same excuse. This became a pattern with Moses. Instead of, now listen to me, God will let you go through adversity to learn a character lesson. If you do not learn the character lesson, he will take you back through the adversity again and again and again. And God does not want you to get a C minus. He wants you to get an A plus. And you will face the adversity over and over and over again until you learn how to do it God's way. Moses faced this adversity and he went back to his old ways. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done this evil to my people? He went back. I'm not the one, God. Remember, that's what he said in the early. I'm not the one. I can't do this. I don't talk well. I I don't have enough power. I'm full of influence. And and who am I? And God says, No, you're the guy. And so when this adversity came, Moses came back. You know what? Three more times in the book of Exodus, he went back to the same pattern. Three times he said, God, just kill me. I prayed that prayer as a a pastor. God, just kill me. Just kill me. Terry can get a better husband. Glad y'all didn't amen that. (laughs) Just kill me. If I have to go through this adversity, God said, oh, Scott, I want you to learn the character lesson. And then what God does, God sent the plagues as much to turn the heart of Pharaoh as to build the trust of the Hebrews. And only Jesus could bring relief. So stop turning aside to other solutions and turn to Jesus. Now let's take a look at these plagues he sent. Are y'all with me so far? A lot of stuff, and I'm going to try to get through it. Let's look at these plagues. You have 10 plagues that match the 10 commandments. And Arthur Pink, in his commentary on Exodus, he said, you have the 10 plagues that match the 10 commandments, and they're divided into triads of three, and then the one, the 10th is singled out. And let me tell you about this. Here's the plagues, okay? If you don't know them, I'm going to give them to you. <clears throat> First of all, the Nile was turned into blood. Second, the frogs would come and invade the land. Third, the flies, uh, excuse me, lice. Uh, some call it gnats, but it's lice. Gnats, have y'all ever been in a place where you had sand gnats? We call them in Florida no see because you don't see them. And they bite and they sting and they're a nuisance. But these are, this is lice. The, the, the Hebrew word here is lice. And then flies, a name for Satan is Beelzebub. Do y'all know that? You ever heard that? Beelzebub for Satan? You know, from the Queen song, Beelzebub, put a devil, put aside for me, for me, for me. Yeah? 
It means Lord of the flies. The sick livestock, the boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and then the death of the firstborn. The death of the firstborn. That's the ten plagues. Now, divided into three groups. Let me give you the groups. The first three were plagues that invaded the comfort of the people. Invaded the comfort. So you've got, you know, you got the Nile turned to blood, so water was, that's a discomfort. There was no water. Frogs, and that choked out everything. I was hopping, you would see that. And then lice. So you can see how the frogs, when they died, they stunk, and they were croaking. They were everywhere. They filled the water pots. Everywhere you look were frogs. Frogs are frogs are frogs, and then lice is lice, and some of y'all have gone through the season of lice, right? Yeah. If you've had children, you probably have encountered lice, and you have to deal. It's just a lousy situation. The next three are painful. They, they, they brought about pain. If you look at it, it brought about personal pain. Uh, and that's the, uh, the livestock that were sick, and then the boils, and then hail. That's all painful, painful uh, excuse me, it was uh, flies, livestock, and then boils. And these were not normal flies. These were biting flies. So they were painful. They were like dog flies. Have y'all ever experienced dog flies? Again in Florida, in the September, October of the year, beautiful time of the year, great time to go to the beach, except for dog flies. And they'll come and bite you and torture you. you. It doesn't matter what you sprayed on you. They would land on you, wipe it off, and bite you. They're just nasty. And then the uh, sick livestock, and then the boils. And then the last three were destructive. Destructive. And that's um, hail, locusts, and the darkness. And then the last one, the last one just breaks your heart. The last one was the covenant promise of Passover when they lost their firstborn children. And what God was doing, now let me say this to you. This is kind of interesting. This is what the plague showed. They showed God's power over nature. It showed that he was punishing Pharaoh. Am I going too fast? Y'all writing these down? God's power over nature. God's punishing Pharaoh. All of these plagues were staring in the face of Egypt's false gods. You see, the Egyptians had the God of the Nile. They had the God of the frogs, the God of the lice, the God of the flies, the God of livestock, God of boils, the God of hell, the God of locusts, God of darkness. They had all these gods. And God was saying, I'm showing you who's really God, not your false gods. And when you look at this, you go, wow, this is what God is doing. It was a warning to the other nations. You see, Israel is about to go out to go into a promised land. And the reputation of what God did in Egypt had gone into the promised land before them. And when the nations heard that this is the people who's their God had interacted with Egypt and brought them to their knees. In fact, if you look at the account that God destroyed the entire army of Egypt, the greatest military power in the world of that day, God destroyed them in a single fell swoop, drowning them in the Red Sea. All of them. 
wow. The other nations heard this and went, oh my gosh, how can we stand against this? You can't. You can't. But the last thing this, these plagues showed was God was building the faith of Hebrew children. And let me say this to you. When God delivers you, he strengthens your faith. Because if he does it now, guess what? He can do it again. Again. And again. And again. And again. I read today in Psalms, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed beg for bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed beg for bread. He says in his word that he will be faithful to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Wow. So me being faithful to God, me living all for Jesus, me being dependence upon him, me believing that he'll make a way, what does it do? It makes a way for my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids to the thousandth generation. God will deliver you. God, therefore, therefore say to the people of Israel, this is Exodus 6, 6 through 8. Say to the people of Israel, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and the great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I'm the Lord, your God, who's brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into a land that I swore to give Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give you possession because I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Now look at these promises. This is, these are for you. Listen to what he says to you. This is for you. I want you to write them down. He says, I will bring you out. In other words, blessed, beloved, I'm going to free you from your oppression. I'm going to free you from your oppression. I'm going to bring you out. He says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back from sin. I'm going to buy you back. I will claim you. I'll call you my own. When the Lord introduces me in heaven, he's going to say, this is Scott Weatherford. He belongs to me. He belongs to me. One of the great privileges I've had for the last 30, 38 years is to turning to someone and said, this is Tara. She's my wife. And everybody looks and go, how did that happen? God's grace and mercy, all right? It's that joy, a miracle. Thank you, Larry. I will be your God. That means you belong. I want to say this to you. We, we had signs not long ago that we held up. We said, welcome home. In fact, we just ended, we, we created this roll-in video, begins our every, every gathering. Get here a little early and watch it because we talk about we see a church. And the last thing we say is welcome home. Why? Because you belong here with us. Some of y'all are crazy, but you still belong. Takes one to know one, right? I will bring you in. Rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. 
I will give you a legacy that's strengthening you from generation to generation. Huh. God will make a way. And he made a way for the Hebrew children, a pathway through the sea that they didn't even know was there. And he delivered them. God's made a way for you. His name is Jesus. And Jesus said this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's not exclusive, y'all. That's inclusive. All you have to do is join Jesus. And when you join Jesus, you have the way. One day, I don't know when, but one day, death is going to extend his bony hand in my direction. And he's going to reach out and he's going to grab me. And the Lord Jesus is going to slap his hand away. So, uh-uh. No, 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 no. He's mine. I'll take it from here. Because Jesus is the way.